Blog Talk Radio. The Marriage of Mystery, Entertainment, and Education. Squatch Detective Radio is on the air. Detective Radio for today's date, Sunday, March 13th, 2011, and let me bring on the one, the only, Chris Bennett. How are you tonight, Chris? Hey, Steve. Everything's going well in Kentucky, my friend. Uh, Sounds like you're still a little bit under the weather. Are you feeling better, though? I am feeling better. Uh, Just the voice is taking a little bit to come back. I was down pretty much the entire week, but uh, here I am. So, uh, what what a great show we have on tonight. Tonight, of course, we have on author of The Locals, and uh, he just came out with a new book called Shady Neighbors, and uh, of course, the one, the only Tom Powell will be with us tonight in a few minutes. Um, Oh, yeah, great show. So, what do you have to add to the wonderful uh, world of news tonight? Anything, Chris? Well, you know, Steve, there's not been a lot uh, going on this past week in the, the Bigfoot world. Uh, I was kind of hoping we could talk about another uh, mass uh, search through the woods or something of that nature. But, no, uh, from what I've read, everything's been pretty quiet so far. Well, well and, and, of course, just a quick program note that next week we will have on Bill Munns. And 
course. Uh, we all know uh, the Munns Report, so it should be a fun show next week. But uh, let's say this. Let's get on with the guest, and let's say hi to good old Tom. How are you, Tom? Hi. Thanks for having me on, fellas. Oh, our pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Oh, yeah. And, so speaking um, of Bigfoot cert, Bigfoot hunts, whatever uh, happened to with a big stampede in North Carolina? Chased <laughs> all the Bigfoots out of North Carolina now. <laughs> yeah, but that was pretty good. I, I kept getting this mental picture of uh, Mr. Moneymaker uh, shouting out orders on the on the bullhorn. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the idea of having everybody locked arm in arm and sweeping them through the woods, you know, for covering a whole right. state was actually uh, proposed once upon a time by uh, Grover Krantz. And uh, he, he, even he later on said, look, I, I excuse me, I'm, I'm really sorry. That was the dumbest idea I ever had. <laughs> uh, it just doesn't take on the whole idea of, of the impossibility of doing that in any kind of terrain. Uh, but, um, you know, just the amount of people and, the, uh, you know, it, I, I was just pretty amused that somebody thought they could actually pull it off. So I couldn't wait to hear what happened. <laughs> well, you know, from, from one report that I read, though, Tom, that the, they did actually recover some hair samples. But, well, you know, I sure, have yet sure. To, I've yet to That's see the report on that, from fellas. that, what it was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, uh, uh, that very well could have been a little hype for the TV show, you know. But, uh, right, right. Know. Well, I, I knew they were going to get something, whether they got it or not. You know, they, they'll find something to hold up for the camera. That's how it goes. Uh, <laughs> uh, whether or not it checks out is a matter of, uh, you know, well, we'll just wait and see. Yeah. But uh, yeah. sure, they'll find something. They always do. Yes, I found this rock that has been stepped on by a squash. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> so, um,. Tom, Tom, how did you get involved? And in, uh, of course, I think your your location has a lot to do with it. But how did you get involved in uh, Bigfoot research? And in, in, in uh, well, I'm a science teacher, have been for years. Uh, I first started uh, uh, talking about uh, Bigfoot uh, just because uh, I didn't buy it, and uh, it was a good uh, touchstone that uh, people somehow uh, resonated with around here, especially. So. Uh, you know, it makes appearances in the newspaper every once in a while. People eat it up. You could see that. So uh, when I was looking for little science topics on these days where uh, the kids were, uh, minds were elsewhere, you know, right before vacation <laughs> or something, this was a good uh, sort of thing to dust off. And there were movies around that you could get even through the school district, the old In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy. Yep. Uh, it's still around, and uh, by today's standards, it's not a very well-produced thing. It's just the typical uh, people saying, I saw a Bigfoot run across the road, and, uh, <laughs> so that's fine. Uh, but they have some stuff from Krantz in there, and he sits there and talks about his bone collection and, uh, you know, Gigantopithecus and whatnot, and uh, does a pretty nice job, really. Uh, so uh, after having shown that for, oh, I don't know, a period of years, actually, and a few times a day at that, uh, you sort of start to uh, notice that things are, uh, well, intriguing. Uh, so, uh, you know, being a science teacher and also a guy living you know, out in the country uh, where I live, mostly because of my interest in rivers, fishing, boating, and do a lot of whitewater, so I'm out there and close to an awful lot of woods. Uh, about that time, I sort of put two and two together and uh, saw that uh, 
there probably is a scientific mystery involved here, something that I had dismissed uh, wasn't so easily dismissible when you sit there and watch Grover Krantz do his little explanation from mm-hmm. an anthropological point of view. Uh, not to mention that I, after having lived out here for uh, wasn't even a period of months before I started bumping into people who uh, took the phenomenon seriously and weren't ashamed to say that uh, my interpretation of it as a uh, something imaginary that uh, uh, people only see on their way home from the bar uh, after midnight, you know, uh, they were saying, no, 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 it's it's much more serious than that. You don't understand. Of course, you're a city boy and wouldn't expect you to. So uh, little by little, I started to give the whole subject uh, some credence, and I found that the more I looked into it by talking to local people uh, around here, uh, the more I was finding that it was not so easy to shrug off. Uh, there was one particular uh, fellow who I got in touch with through a uh, notice that he had stuck on bill- bulletin boards outside of country stores around here, and his name was Frank Kinister, and he was looking for sightings to follow up on. And this was sort of in the days before even the Internet uh really sort of stepped up and started gathering all the reports the way it does now. So early 90s, I started to uh, talk to people around here who were following up on reports and had been for over 10 years in the past. And about this time, Frank was actually getting kind of burnt out on it. He had pretty much done what he could with it and over 10 years of report gathering and putting pins on maps and he had his conclusions, and uh, he was sort of he, done all he could do. Uh, about that time, he shared it with me, and I must say that I, I found that there was quite a trove of information that really hadn't seen the light of day. It was all rattled away in Frank's spare bedroom and out in Estacada and had a pretty uh, impressive collection of uh, artifacts and, uh, you know, track casts mostly, and not to mention all these uh, sightings that he had taken the trouble to plot out on a map. So I just tried to follow up on what he was doing just to sort of satisfy my own curiosity about the subject, and that's when I found that, wow, this isn't actually uh, as ridiculous as it seemed. So that led to my involvement with BFRO, and I spent several years being their sighting report investigator for the area around here back when he didn't have too much of a established uh, network around here. And so I was actually the only guy there for a while in the late 90s, I want to say, by now. And so uh, I found a few cases that uh, were more interesting than the rest, and it quickly became obvious that you can't just drop everything and run off every time somebody said they saw Bigfoot here, there, or everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's just so many possibilities around here that you can't uh, you can't do it all. So you just pick a few, you know, you're, you cherry pick the, the, the most interesting mm-hmm. cases, and you, you focus on them, and then you just farm out everything else to somebody else, and uh, then you sort of communicate back and forth, stay in touch. So I tried my best to just to build a uh, network of investigators. There was lots of eager beavers, but they uh, really weren't organized uh, or, uh, you know, in regular communication with each other so that was my whole goal is to just get a bit of a network going to where uh, everybody was checking out their own thing and all everybody checking back uh little by little i started to find out that uh 
some of the people who were out there doing stuff were getting some uh, stranger-than-usual, you know, kinds of experiences. And uh, I was always one to say, hey, uh, as long as we don't know what's going on, we pretty much got to look at everything and anything. So uh, don't, don't filter the information, put it all on the table, and we'll just figure out what makes sense and what doesn't. Uh, but by the uh, by, you know, 2000 2002, it was starting to be clear that uh, there was a few uh, more uh, aspects to the phenomenon than, uh, you know, the standard Grover Krantz model. Uh, so that's when it sort of became clear to me that I, um, you know, had to revise my thinking, branch out, get a little bit more information from other sources, and the straight BFRO company line probably wasn't really uh, the whole phenomenon. Uh, so at that point, I just tried to uh, get some other sources, and one of the biggies out here is Henry Franzoni. He's been uh, doing it since the uh, late 80s. In fact, he was probably the first guy who ever made a Bigfoot website on the computer. And he, uh, of course, developed the IVBC, which uh, changed, you know, uh, incarnation several times to uh, Coleman's list nowadays. But, uh, you know, there's a few guys around here who've been doing it for a while, uh, actually more than a few. But most of them aren't really uh, very active in the field. They're just information gatherers. And it does seem that uh, there was a time when I think people's idea of what the phenomenon consisted of was the thing that uh, sort of framed what it was that they were uh, gathering for information. And everybody was going with your John Green, uh, Grover Krantz model that there's a you know wild creature out here, subhuman, lives in the Pacific Northwest only, and... Uh, best guess is it's some kind of ape. Well, pretty much everything that uh, I just said there has now been challenged by other points of view, and of course you guys know as well as anybody out there in New York, because, you know, Mm -hmm. Sasquatch is only in the Pacific Northwest, and what the heck is everybody doing somewhere else? Well, we laugh at that stuff nowadays, you know, just the idea that it was only in one place just represented sort of the... uh, you know, thinking at the time, but uh, there's a, just a lot more observers, there's a lot more communication, and there's a lot more uh, uh, information being shared, and with that has come this uh, total uh, revolution in the thinking about what's going on with the whole phenomenon. It's much more widespread than we really thought, and it, it does seem to have several... Uh, you know, different uh, sort of dimensions to it almost. So uh, just trying to sort that out has really become the big challenge of late. Uh, And I guess in the end I end up uh, realizing that more than any ever before, I I just don't know anything. I I do have my ideas about what I think is going on, and it's based on what I've experienced and also the information that I've been able to gather from sources that I trust. Uh, But I think when I do uh, interviews like this and people say, what do you think is going on? Uh, You know, I think the first thing that I have to emphasize is is, is that I I say what I 
feel to be my conclusions as if they're, you know, the fact of the matter, but I don't really believe that uh, myself. I just uh, uh, don't want to sit there and say, well, the evidence indicates this and the end of evidence indicates that. It, it just uh, becomes sort of uh, tedious to go through all that and remind ourselves of what we already know, and that is that we we don't really know anything. We're, we're, the, the phenomenon is still kind of in its infancy as far as what we think is going on with it and, and how uh, people interact with it. Uh, but in the interest of being a little bit more efficient about describing things, I, I will, of course, uh, sort of speak uh, a little bit more directly about, you know, here's what's going on here and here's what's going on there. So just be warned as we get into it. Gotcha. Chris, you're you're yeah. up for the you're up for the first question tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like to go go back a little bit. What Tom was talking about, uh, uh, you know, I watched that. Uh, that made me think of this uh, this TV special I watched not long ago. I think it's, it's the newest one out. Uh, about uh, it's called Bigfoot: The Definitive Guide, and they discussed the same thing. Uh, they they were you know talking about uh, how that they felt like uh, the Sasquatches were going to be found in the Pacific Northwest. And they pretty much just, you know, deleted the rest of the country as, as a possible habitat for them. And uh, the one thing that uh, really, I'm, I'm sure, it really got a lot of goats from the Florida researchers. Uh, they stated that, oh, they're, they're you know, they they felt that they were just escaped chimpanzees or something down there in Florida. Mm-hmm. That was just all misidentifications. And uh, I really, I can't see how they could go out on a limb like that. To, to make that kind well, of statement. They, I, I think they really need to sort of pigeonhole it as something that the public can wrap their head around. Uh, but then the other thing I think you got to keep in mind is that um, there, there could be an escape chimpanzee element to what's going yeah. on in certain areas. Uh, right. You know, people move the darn creatures from their habitat, and then they decide they can't right. handle them anymore, and they let them go. So I, I think part right. of that is probably true uh but then of course uh you know from place to place it seems like boy there's this there's this huge uh difference in what people are seem to be getting for information and experiences in the spookiest place has to be that honey island uh swamp <laughs> area on the uh mississippi louisiana border you know they they got these pretty uh clear tracks of things with three toes and uh and they uh describe things that are uh nothing close to your uh standard uh eight foot hairy giant of the Pacific Northwest woods. So uh Well I uh, I I did. I actually was down at Honey Island for about a month total time. And uh I found out some very interesting things about Honey Island. Um first of all was that um those uh, three-toed tracks were actually um, well. First, let me, let me back up. Uh, there was a couple of guys, and one of the guys that was very, very reliable said he actually saw the foot of the thing as it walked away from him, and he said it had five toes. And well, we we finally got to know this guy very well, and finally he sat down with us one night, and he knew Harlan Ford, and he knew the whole the whole thing about what was going on for years. He's been there. He has his own little island enclave there. And um, his basic thing was that, well, most of the sightings that were happening were happening to the north end of the swamp. Now, there were certain things going on at the north end of the swamp that they didn't want known. 
you know, there's moonshining back then, and and of course there's some interesting grow operations apparently that go on that part of the end of the swamp. <clears throat> and he said that the the three toe tracks were just a ruse by Harlan to get all the Bigfoot hunters and monster hunters away from those sensitive areas. So I found that quite interesting. And this is a guy who admittedly saw one. So And it, it took us a while to get that out of him. So uh, I don't know. I kind of have mixed feelings actually seeing um, some uh, some marks, which were actually made by um, herons that looked like they could very well be the, the three-toed marks that we've seen before. So that's just my two cents on the Honey Island. But, yes, it is definitely a spooky area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, I've got a question for you, Tom. What do you? Uh, now I know this is just opinion now, and uh, everybody's got one. I'd like to hear yours. Uh, what do you personally think the the Bigfoot creatures are, if they exist? Uh, do you think it would be a giganto relative, or some sort of prehistoric uh, offshoot of uh, maybe a subhuman? Uh, I know that that one show. Uh, they they uh, they forwarded the theory about it, that they thought that it was possible they could be Indian shaman that were uh, training uh, for some sort of ritual. Uh, what, what's your opinion? What do you think they are? Uh, I'd say all of the above is probably the uh, best place to begin, uh, <laughs> just because you know I, it's a huge continent. And there are all these places and all these things going on that we're not privy to. Uh, Certainly, uh, one thing that I think is true is that there are people who live in the woods. Uh, And uh, I am told by Indian friends that there are still people who uh, do their shamanistic training and they go off and live in the woods. and, And in truth, some of them acclimate to their surroundings so utterly that they never come back. Uh, so one of the things that you could be dealing with is, you know, I hate to use the word feral. It makes them sound inferior, but, you know, feral humans, <laughs> right. people who are just living in the woods. Uh, so, uh, that's certainly one of the things. And then of course you got the whole escaped wild animal thing or, or just escaped pets or released pets. And so you got certain things going on there. So all of that is probably going on. I think in Russia you definitely have uh, a population of Neanderthals living in the Caucasus Mountains of, uh, I guess it would be, uh, western Russia against the Iranian border, uh, that uh, everything that they've been doing there points to Neanderthal. Uh, and uh, there's lots of Neanderthal fossils found. I question some of the uh, dating uh, figures that are being given to us, but even if all the uh, carbon-14 dating of Neanderthal fossils is accurate, there uh, are still fossils that are being found that are impossibly recent, uh, 15,000 years ago. Uh, there are Neanderthal fossils that are only, say, fifteen to 40,000 years old. Uh, it's not thought that there were any catastrophes or things that would have wiped out uh, populations in any kind of wholesale kind of way between that time and the present. 
So in other words, anything that lived 40,000 years ago, there's no reason to believe it's still not around. Uh, obviously, we say, oh, well, people wiped them out. You know, they were hunted to extinction. Well, maybe, but I doubt it. I don't think humans are as as adept at these things as we tend to think. Um, I'm sure that there is some sort of uh, killing that went on in caveman days in between groups, but I don't think anybody was exterminated on that basis. So I think some of what you're looking at is this Neanderthal um, holdout. Uh, but I think that there's probably something else going on, too, and maybe it's as simple as the fact that what we think of as Neanderthals have been evolving right alongside us. Uh, you know, 40,000 years ago, uh, the human race intellectually doesn't seem to have a, a lot going on. Uh, but think times have changed in 40,000 years, evolution and so forth, and, you know, there's a lot more human intellect in our species than there was once. Uh, I see no reason why evolution couldn't happen uh, for this other group as well. So uh, whatever they once were, they're not now. Uh, the biggest mistake we can make is to not give them enough credit intelligence-wise and I think that's probably the mistake that uh, most of the uh, researchers uh, make who are following your strict uh, Grover Krantz model is that they're just about out there digging a hole and covering it with sticks, thinking that they're going to catch something that way. And, of course, that is, uh, in my view, uh, terribly misguided as far as not recognizing the intelligence of whatever it is you're dealing with. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, we we do have a, you, a a question. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, you just have to spend a lot of time out there before you start to develop your own point of view. And the more time you spend out there, and the more interaction you you think you're having with whatever it is right. that's out there, the more you start to realize that that God Almighty, uh, whatever it is, is a, is a heck of a lot more uh, intelligent than uh, right. what you know, we were giving it credit for. And I'm definitely a guy who wants to believe that scientific proof can be gotten. And I certainly worked that angle uh, as hard as anyone uh, to the best of my ability. That was really what the whole uh, phenomenon uh, had by way of appeal for me. It's like, hey, here's a chance to, to, you know, try my scientific chops. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do what I think best and I'm going to get the evidence. Sure. Uh, and I was interested in photography, so uh, starting in the mid-90s, I guess more than anything, my whole interest in the BFRO came from my belief that if I could find the right spot and if I could put these uh, newfangled camera traps out that wildlife people were just beginning to use, uh, that, that, that should bear fruit. Uh, and that brought me to this uh site up in uh, central Washington where uh, they said, oh, yeah, we, we got them out there. And uh, so I said, well, how about uh, let me deploy these cameras out there. And we worked that site for years. Um, now, maybe I'm not that smart, <laughs> but, um, man, we tried every trick in the book we could think of, and every trick we tried was met with a counter trick. Uh, and, of course, uh, for a long time, I wasn't even seeing what I think I understand to be the facts of the matter. In other words, there's a tendency to 
you know, again, believe, well, the camera just didn't work. The battery just failed. You know, they're, they we're always making excuses about why our our uh, surveillance techniques don't work or didn't work in that case. So, uh, you know, we just kept modifying and modifying and moving around. And, and of course, uh, over time, it just became increasingly uh, uh, sort of... Um, clear that uh no it isn't just a matter of um you know being uh persistent that that there is some sort of countermeasure that that's being uh thrown at us that they know what we're doing and they're uh, going to uh um you know undo our efforts to the best of their ability yeah uh, so that's pretty much the first first time i sort of realized that uh, no something else is going on here and uh, the more that I sort of tested out that possibility, the more I found that um, th- those experiments uh, sort of verified my suspicion that, uh, that that they know we're looking for them. And they know that we're playing the cat-and-mouse game, and they're playing a cat-and-mouse game too, yeah. but it, it does seem that they're sort of toying with us as far as uh you know we're we're not close to getting uh sort of unexpected evidence or proof that it's uh the harder you try the more uh, you you start to realize that that every every trick you do there's a counter trick and uh, that of course is a hard thing for people to really accept who are um you know sort of flesh and blood point of view you know your standard Grover Krantz model. How how could they be that smart? And I think the question that that underlies that is, if they're that smart, why are they living out there? I mean, you know, it just seems like such a crappy place to want to have to live. You know, why wouldn't they want all the modern conveniences? Why don't they want what we have? Why don't they come in out of the cold? Uh, there's the question. If they're so smart, uh, why uh, do they stay out there? Uh, and I guess the question that I come up with is, or the answer, rather, that I come up with is, well, of course, first, I don't really know, but it, it just seems that they're content with that existence. They, they've they uh, sort of achieved a, a zen-like comfort with their surroundings. Or maybe that they're just so darn overdressed and that, that living is actually that easy for them that, that they don't need what we have. And at the same time, maybe they're even more sophisticated than that and realize that a certain amount of what we have is unsustainable, uh, but that their, uh, you know, way of being is uh, actually something more like what we ought to be doing, too. (laughs) So there you go. Yeah, I think that's one of the first things that the hardcore researcher realizes, that uh, once he starts fooling with these things, you start to realize instead of a bumbling ape, uh, fumbling about the woods, you're you're dealing with an intelligent uh, being, and mm-hmm. uh, these things are smart. Well, but see that it's also seen as delusional, you know, to even suggest that. And so I guess at that point, um, I I just say, okay, well, first of all, I'm totally okay with other points of view you know anybody who's who's uh, pursuing the flesh and blood model you know i really wish them well it would really simplify the, the phenomenon in my mind as well to go no tom you're totally wrong they're just dates out there and we finally caught one and here it is somebody flat you know fire truck hit it on its way to a 
fire in Odessa, and uh, now we got it. And I was like, well, that sure is nice to hear. Uh, answers a lot of questions in my mind. Um, unfortunately, it, it just seems that uh, that's not uh, likely to happen. It, it, that kind of scenario has been postulated for so long, and it's been frustrated for so long, that two things are, are clear to me. Number one, the creatures themselves have no uh, intention of uh, laying down for our agenda, but also in the uh, situations where evidence does surface, it gets swept away from our end too. There's no doubt in my mind that um, you know good Bigfoot evidence probably does exist somewhere, but it's not uh, available for our inspection because uh, you know it is for some reason that no one's telling us uh, information that we're not seen as, uh, as as worthy of having. So you know, obviously um, that, that brings up a. That brings up a question we have from from our good friend Ken in the chat room. Uh, he wants to know, uh, do you think that, that there is a government uh, conspiracy or that the government is trying to hide uh, well, you know, from in, the general public? In, in a word, yes. Uh, I, I cringe at words like conspiracy because they're charged this and that. But, you know, right. in truth, the legal definition of the word conspiracy is two or more people working the same agenda. Uh, And, of course, conspiracy means it's something illegal. Well, you know, the whole idea that there's government conspiracies, I I think, is uh, sort of a no-brainer. You know, Watergate was a conspiracy. I don't think there's anybody saying it never happened. Uh, You know, if you're as old as I am, you remember the Pueblo incident and Francis Gary Powers and a whole bunch of, uh, you know, little uh, intelligence screw-ups that the United States perpetrated. And then, of course, uh, rather than acknowledge it, they, they swept it under the rug. They covered it up. So... You know, uh, it it just goes on and on. Uh, you know, and Bill Clinton tried to cover up his uh, his indiscretions, but then there's uh, uh, attempts to cover up the weapons of mass destruction fiasco that Colin Powell was was dragged into, and the whole reason for uh, Iraq. I mean, hey, that was a conspiracy. You know, we were misled by what is undeniably by the legal definition of conspiracy. So. You know, the idea that government conspiracies happen is, 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 I don't think, something that anybody can seriously argue. The question is, why would there be one in this case? And the answer, of course, is, is well, we don't know, but we could certainly guess that it's, it's, it's you know, sensitive information either because it would destabilize our religious and sociological point of view or there's something about these creatures that uh, may be uh, more than... Uh, what they want to admit. And I would say that that's where, you know, you start running into this whole thing, that there's more than one dimension to what we would like to think of as the Sasquatch phenomenon. Um, You know, there are people who are out there. I know some of them, and I've had some experiences myself where you're out there uh, trying to get a handle on, uh, you know, some sort of Sasquatch noises. You thought you heard here once or that somebody else reported from that area and next thing you know you're seeing these weird lights in the woods or lights in the sky and and, and things that just all of a sudden make your blood run cold and i'm here to tell you boy when that stuff starts happening man you just want out of there in the worst way you don't care about anything and and it's absolutely terrifying uh and i know uh more than a couple people who uh sort of decided after a little bit of that that, that they didn't really maybe care about the Bigfoot phenomenon all that much. 
Right. Now, in another part of the country, I, I would not uh, be so presumptuous as to suppose that I know what's going on there. So, uh, you know, when I went to Oklahoma for the first time, I, it, it it seemed very different as far as what was going on. And, and if anything, the, the creatures seemed uh, more bold and reckless as far as what was going on and what was being reported. And we even had some uh, interesting uh, events go on on uh, even in the short time that I was there. Uh, but in the Pacific Northwest, it, it seems to go a little bit differently. And uh, one of the things that I've experienced up here that uh, I have not experienced in other parts of the country is is the the just the fearsome intimidation that uh, can be thrown at you uh, if you happen to be in the in proximity of you know, whatever it is that's out there, and all of a sudden, boy, all you can think of is uh, how the heck uh, am I going to get out of here alive? Uh, you're just absolutely uh, overwhelmed by this feeling that you're outgunned by uh, uh, this intimidating presence, and uh, whoa. Uh, so I've only had that kind of an experience up here, but but I, I do know that there are people in other parts of the country and other parts of the world who who uh, can resonate with that too? So we're, you know, trying to figure out where that fits into this phenomenon and and what the capabilities exactly are. If they can pretty much chase you out of the woods whenever they want to, and uh, that's, I guess, the conclusion that I'm sort of left with is that if they want you out of there, there's. Uh, um, you know, it's it's pretty easy. Sometimes it even seems like uh, you're being subject to some sort of training exercise. That that you know they could they got you surrounded. They're uh, they know exactly where you are, and they're just toying with you. And and maybe they're doing all this just to uh, show the youngins how it goes, or, or just because this is almost a source of entertainment for them. But it seems like. Uh, uh, we're, it's child's play, and we're the child. <laughs> right. So, so it is. It is your opinion that that the creatures may possibly uh, possess some sort of uh, metaphysical power or uh, some sort of paranormal. Definitely. Uh, yeah. I mean, okay. something that we uh, are not totally able to, um, you know, counter at least, and maybe not right. even uh, understand. Uh, um, yeah, so much so that I, I, you know, I've really decided that the idea of going out there and and trying to get proof and so on, even though I'm I'm all in favor of anybody who's who's working that angle, I certainly did. But I've sort of changed my, uh, you know, focus my my goal uh, with it all. Um, I don't think that it's utterly productive in my particular area to be always trying to get proof and sticking out cameras and things that are, you know, little strips of nails that are going to get blood and tissue because I, I, I think uh, they seem very aware of uh, what we're doing and uh, why we're doing it. So I guess I've sort of decided that uh, the camera thing, especially after working that for you know, good ten years. Uh, maybe I ought to try another approach. So I've started. You know, I took the cameras out. I had cameras all over the place, and I just decided, all right, and I'm going to work a period of years with no cameras and see how things go. 
and it seems like uh, if you just put yourself out there and and you're not skulking about and setting traps and digging holes and covering them with sticks, then all of a sudden you you get a very different kind of response. Uh, all of a sudden um, there is sort of an acknowledgement that seems to come back that, yeah, yeah, we're here. <laughs> what do you want? And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, <laughs> what's going on? And uh, so, you know, I guess I'm trying to get to the bottom of that right now. And I think the gist of it is that I guess I've decided that I'm not looking for proof at this point. I, as I said, I cheer people on who who are, and my buddy Cliff Barrickman is still working that, you know, and he was involved in the people, you know, beating the bushes arm in arm in the North Carolina <laughs> countryside. Right. So I'm going, you go, Cliff, man, you know, that's great. I'll, I'll just work my angle. You work yours. We'll check back, and we'll see what we get. <laughs> And that's where, uh, you know, I guess my uh, approach then becomes I'm looking to maybe just get some understanding first, and maybe I will have a smarter uh, idea about how to get proof, but but it seems like our attempts to get proof are maybe uh, we're putting the cart before the horse. First, we've got to understand a little better what's going on, and then based on that, we can design a uh, scientific experiment that has a better chance of success. Uh, but I, I think that the component that's missing and that we've started to sort of work is is one of asking permission, if you will, rather than just trying to trick the things into uh, leaving us something that we can hold up for the world to see. So that is where I'm sort of working, and obviously at that point things become very metaphysical. You know, how do you ask it for permission? What do you do? Well, you know, it isn't necessarily sitting out there and, uh, and you know, meditating or, or trying to reach a different astral plane. I think one thing you're just doing is putting yourself out there, no tricks, no traps, and and, and just walking about and letting the uh, phenomenon find you. And I'm in a situation where I'm happy to say I can do that, that I have a lot of woods around me, and I'm in Clackamas County, which even according to the BFRO website, it has more sightings than any uh, county in the state of Oregon. And it's one of the more productive places uh, in the whole region. So I figure if there's a place where the phenomenon ought to exist, it's pretty much right here. And so I just have to put myself out there and and see what goes on. And so that's what I do. And I just walk around and I uh, spend a lot of time in the woods at night without a flashlight, uh, without a gun, usually with a dog, but uh, that's pretty much it. And I will say that... uh, once in a great while, you run into this night where all of a sudden everything spooky is going on. First thing that I notice is the dog takes off and goes home. He's not hanging around. He doesn't like it. Uh, and now all of a sudden I'm out there and here are these noises coming from a couple different directions. And uh, and it's just kind of funny how you know you on the one hand think, well, this is uh, this is the opportunity I've been waiting for. You know, something's around and it's right here. Uh, but uh, it just isn't quite that easy, you know. You you really have to fight back the terror, 
uh, and it's not necessarily because even it's a Sasquatch. I mean, even uh, just the thought that there could be 10 or 15 coyotes surrounding you is, uh, of course, enough to uh, <laughs> give you pause. Uh, one mountain lion can ruin your whole day. Uh, so, uh, you know, you don't know what's out there all the time. Uh, you do know that if you turn on a flashlight and start waving it around and brandishing your gun, then it should be the end of that. But uh, if you can sort of uh, try a different approach and, and just let the thing know that you know it's there and, and uh, you're not going to do anything rash, and so then you just sort of uh, walk around and hang out. And, uh, uh, you know, if, if there's anything to thinking positive thoughts, certainly you, you try that. So then you turn around and go home. And I think the thinking is let let the thing find, you know, it, it's it's mobile, it knows me. It's not going to come out and shake my hand, whatever it is, but it, it will probably follow me if I just head on back home. Uh, so I do. And I guess on that basis it's uh, reasonable to suppose that uh, they know where I live. And darned if you don't get things that then are found left here in little calling cards there, and uh, it all gets very strange, and you are, of course, left to wonder, am I seeing things that just have a natural uh, explanation, or did something put this here? Uh, and uh, that's uh, another thing that I think uh, the modern researcher is, is, is trying to sort out. There's this gal in Michigan, Lisa Scheel, who wrote a book about all the little signs that she was finding in her woods and, and how she sorted them out. And once I read her thing, I said, oh, my gosh, that's uh, very similar to what I have been observing and it was very gratifying to see that somebody else was uh, explaining the same thing, however uh, difficult it is to verify. But uh, there there are, in fact, little marks and signs, but you, it's a real test of your powers of observation to uh, pick them up. Uh, but if you know the woods really, really well, and you're in that woods a lot, then um, all of a sudden you start to notice that this wasn't here before, and this is moved, and and here is something that defies any kind of logical explanation as to why it would be here. Uh, so little by little, uh, I've been sort of observing things, and, and then, of course, you leave your own little response to them, and then you leave a response, and then you get a response to the response. And, and I would say the more that I've worked that angle, the more I've found that uh, this is no baloney. There really is something out there that yeah. is uh, playing little games with me. Right. Uh, Tom, we've got, a, uh, we got so, a question from our uh, our good friend Steve over at Bigfoot Books in the in the chat. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He wants to know, I know uh, Steve. <laughs> is he on the line here? Steve, no, he's uh, he's in the chat room. He typed in, "Are they uh, are they in- interdimensional, or have superpowers?" Uh, well, I don't know. You know, again, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But they're, they they can certainly do things I can't. Uh, which is one of them is live in the woods out there. Uh, I would say that. Um, trying to be a good little science teacher uh, and do what I tell the kids to do, uh, I guess you, you sort of have to be an advocate of you don't rule anything out. So one of the things that I uh, am certainly willing to entertain is that uh, these represent some sort of phenomenon that, that isn't here all the time, and that does seem to be consistent with 
sort of what you experience that that you know you're out there 30 nights in a row and nothing's going on and then on the 31st night you know they're there uh well where do they go the rest of the time i don't know i i guess they got feet they can move around uh but uh you know it it just seems that uh, there are very credible witnesses who describe really remarkable things and i am not going to say that they're crazy so i do uh find myself going hey sure uh, do they do they land here and hang out on earth for a while and leave uh well, let's let's look at the possibilities here before we uh throw that one out the door uh, out the window and and i'd say that um you can't rule it out uh, the more I l- look at astronomy and the more I try to understand uh, the science subjects that I teach, the more I find that uh, uh, there is definitely something that comes and goes from planet Earth. Uh, UFOs are not fake in all cases. Now, whether the UFO phenomenon has anything to do with the Sasquatch phenomenon, of course, is what Steve is is probably you know getting at, and and I would say that. Uh, quite possible uh we just can't rule it out and so i'm looking for anybody who says okay here's my experiences that support that but i'm just as interested in somebody whose experiences don't i will say the more that you look at both the more you find that uh yeah that there is there are just aspects to the phenomenon that really um uh you know are, are way beyond uh, ordinary explanation. I have a couple of questions that may <clears throat> that may um, that do you believe they could possibly either hear the infrasonic sounds of a trail camera or possibly see the the infrared on the yeah on those cameras? I, yes I do I, I all of the above but also you know they don't have to see that stuff but. I will say that when you look through a thermal camera at the uh at the uh infrared LEDs that uh you know we count on to see at night and give us pictures at night uh look at those through a thermal camera and you're looking at a floodlight uh and certainly there's members of the uh, creature kingdom who are, are able to see that as well so for me, it's really no problem to uh, suppose, even suspect, that these creatures uh, can do the same thing. But I, I don't think it, it ends there. I, I really do think that we're dealing with a uh, creature that can assess our intentions uh, pretty Absolutely. accurately. You know, so, I, I, I can say a lot of animals can do that. I mean, uh, you know, just sitting around in the woods and... You know, I've had deer walk into my camp, but if I'm out there skulking about, boy, that deer can sense that, and it's gone. Right, right. You know, it's you know what you say about having positive thoughts and stuff. That makes a lot of sense to me, and the fact that any animal can sense a lot of times. And I'm not saying the Sasquatch is an animal, but just creatures of nature can sense when something is there. Just, just. Sure, my dog knows when I'm angry, and he knows when he did something wrong. <laughs> right. So uh, I think we, 
I think the problem is that we want to be all scientific about what we're doing in the Sasquatch game. And I think what's happened, unfortunately, is we've bumped up against the limits of our ability to gather scientific data on this. And, of course, if you put the science thing aside, in other words, you take off your little scientist hat and try a different approach, all of a sudden you start getting a whole bunch of other stuff, which uh, is very useful, uh, but scientifically uh, completely unverifiable. Right. So that's why I say, I guess for the time being, I'm willing to sort of like toss my science hat and uh, and see where it's all taken me in a more uh, vague, heebie-jeebie kind of way. And I I do think that uh, I'm I'm learning a great deal about what's going on. But I I do think that it's frustrating for people when all of a sudden it's like, well, you're not allowed to ask about proof and evidence? Come on, Tom, you know, uh, what good is that? And, uh, you know, how are we going to prove this to the world? And and I guess that's where I've, I've decided, well, you know what, for the time being, we're not, or at least I'm not trying that approach anymore. Uh, I'm just trying to understand what's going on. And so, of course, I sort of get, you know, banished from <laughs> certain groups who feel I've betrayed their uh, approach. And, and and I'm good with that because, uh, you know, if if I get anything useful, I'll certainly uh, report it to them. But, but basically what I think I've learned is that uh, I give it out there and I just say, hey, I know you're there. And, uh, you know, I know that you can sort of understand certain things that we're up to. You probably watch us and know about our comings and goings a lot more than we realize. Uh, I, I have one quick question from uh, Surge Master and, mm-hmm. uh, in our chat room who PM'd me and says, um, do you have a, what do you think the lifespan for a Sasquatch is? Could it be similar to that of the great apes or even humans for that matter? I, I don't really know what the great ape life uh, you know, is. Uh, and I know ours is highly variable, uh, but I I don't know. I I guess uh, I, you know no no information at all. I've I've had people tell me, oh no, they live a lot longer than we do. Uh, but it's like, well, how do you know this? Well, because I talk to them. And it's like, oh, you do. <laughs> what else do you learn? And they say, well, that they don't like us talking about and they're not going to let us sneak up on them and quit trying to put your cameras out because it's not going to work and uh, so there are quite a few people who are, I think are willing to come forward these days and, and say what they think they know uh, and it's utterly unverifiable but uh, you know what do you do with it I, I guess you just sort of uh, personally I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to let it into my life and, and, and see what difference it makes and I, I will tell you that uh, when I walk in the woods and and sort of just let the phenomenon come to me, uh, number one, things do happen, and number two, it seems to uh, sort of uh, be something that puts thoughts in my head sometimes that I then run home and write down, and then I share it with other people who think they're having, you know, uh, bits of communication, and and you do get some very interesting things that sometimes uh, sort of uh, are, are consistent. Uh, yes, we yes we're out there. There's there's thousands of us. There's not hundreds. There's not millions, but there's thousands. Uh, no, we don't want uh, you to uh, take photographs of us. Yes, we're out there, uh, and uh, we're, we're we just want to be left alone. Um, 
So, you know, that's one thing that I, I've get, gotten countless times from people who are, you know, sort of working that approach and, and recognize that maybe we are dealing with something that's intelligent enough to communicate, uh, maybe even non-verbally. Okay, well, guess what? Uh, we're just about out of time for the show already. It's flown right by as usual. Um, well, let me just say that... Uh, yeah, final thoughts, you know, um, Tom? When when I work this angle, I, I do find that it, uh, it it's very uh, inspirational. And uh, for me, I just sort of uh, see what information I can get, and then I go home and write it all down. And what I've tried to do with my new book is sort of get the... Uh, uh, you know, story straight on on how they interact with people, uh, and then make it into a cute little story that uh, is entertaining to read. So that's what I've tried to do with Shady Neighbors. And uh, the one thing that really has uh, uh, been a big surprise is how much I can be working on it. Take a walk in the woods, and I will come home with new ideas. Now, maybe it's just the walking that helps. Uh, maybe it's uh, being in in the uh, vicinity of these creatures i don't know but you certainly get moments of inspiration when one walks in the woods i don't know where they came come from but it certainly is a nice little byproduct mm -hmm. of letting the phenomenon sort of wash over you as opposed to trying to sneak around and grab one by the toe yep now a shitty neighbors can is available on amazon.com Yep, and so uh, I also have a link to it on my little blog thing called TomSquatch.com. I put up a little click to it. There we go. Uh, and it's, so it's it's a fictional story, and uh, of course it's based on a lot of what I have been able to gather from people over the years about how uh, it really goes for them, as strange as it sometimes sounds. You know, I think at this point it's a lot more interesting to be controversial, and so uh, I <laughs> totally... Uh, uh, you know, okay with people who go there and, uh, and and suggest something that isn't verifiable, but it's certainly a fun thought to think about, and uh, you just sort of put it out there and, and see if it doesn't resonate with some of the other people who are out there studying the phenomenon in their particular uh, area. And last question I have for you is, um, Hancock House going to be doing any reprints on the locals? Some people I think ask. they are, but um, I don't know when. Uh they're not real forthcoming with information, <laughs> but they I, I guess they sold all the last books they had, uh, so now I think the only way you're going to find the locals is somebody uh, resells their copies. Uh, somebody told me they're going for $60 on the Internet. I can't believe that's yep. true. But, um, that's I think true. That, you know, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I got five or ten copies. Maybe I should put them up for sale. Uh, but, no, I think they're going to come out with more this year sometime. It takes a while. They haven't printed overseas. Uh, so uh, I, I think that if, if there's books to sell, they should sell them. Uh, but, yeah, meanwhile, I've uh, just sort of focused on my new one, which is, uh, you know, fiction rather than uh, the whole locals. Uh, here's what I think's going on with the phenomenon. But, you know, even the fictional one, you try to do some of that. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Tom. we got to run. We're running a little bit over. Uh, any All final right. words? Uh, thanks again for coming on, Tom. Any final words there, Mr. B.? 
Hey, yeah, yeah just just do do what works for you and and share. Everybody's got to share here, and uh, I, I'm okay with different ideas as long as people just sort of say, "Here's what I'm getting," and aren't afraid to do it. And then we'll just all trade notes and see who might uh, have the, uh, you know, we're looking for patterns. That's all we're doing. All right. Thanks for being on the show, Tom. We appreciate having you as a guest. Hope All right. Well, I hope you're feeling better. I, I tried to uh, give your voice a rest and uh, just sort of step up. And uh, <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, so uh, you can wake up now and say goodnight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, for that matter, uh, it's just about the time for the show to end. So everybody have a great week. Uh, God bless, and everybody be safe. And uh, let's say a special, let's say a little prayer for our friends in Japan this week uh, for all they're going through. So, folks, God bless. We'll catch you all next Sunday night. Our guest will be Bill Munns. We'll see you all next Sunday. Oh!